For this episode of On The Record, we're talking franchises. Although John has a franchise that isn't directly a restaurant, he's been supplying a ton of them with his frozen drink machines and mix. Margarita Man's a franchise that John Volfamonte has proven to be a successful business venture in the New York region. Let's go on the record and learn more about franchises and frozen drink machines. So about two to three years ago, me and my wife knew we had to do something, um, supplemental income for us. Um, so one time we rented a frozen drink machine. It was an absolute hit. Um, everyone loved it. And um, we said, you know what, we could do this. Um, we could basically make a cookie cutter where we could just do it repeatedly, nonstop. Um, we partnered with a great brand in Margarita Man Mix, 100% pure cane sugar. Um, so we're rolling now. This is our third year we're coming up on. Three years in is is a lot of time to start getting wheels turning and the wheels rolling and, you know, data from all the things you've sold and the clients that you've had through the past. And I think, you know, what you're saying is kind of key to a lot of people out there is that they need supplemental income. They need to figure out how to build yep. wealth for the future. Yep. And it's not, it's not unheard of by any means for guys to have full-time jobs and then say, all right, we're going to start developing something else on the side that's going to continuously build. So uh, let me ask you this. Margarita Man is it, it is a franchise. It's a franchise, correct. And you branded it a little bit differently, too, where you're really putting the Westchester on it to differentiate from you know other guys regionally in different areas. So as far as Westchester Margarita Man goes... When you were looking for a way to create supplemental income, like what's the deciding factor when you're looking around at different franchises? Like how many things are you looking at that matter as opposed to other franchises that exist? Before you before you answer that though, you said you rented a rented a machine and it was it. We before, first rented a machine, correct? That was that, just like for a, your house. Yeah, it was like party? a party, like a house party. We had probably I forget the event. Might have been my wife's birthday. Okay. We did a frozen drink machine rental. I think it was like 40, 50 people. Pre-COVID, obviously. <laughs> and um, we just loved it. It was awesome. Did, it's, you it's, make, did you make your own recipes for that first party? Or I think we were provided a batch. I don't remember the company. Um, and what happened was that machine is kind of like the extra at a party. When you get into like August, you've been to like, you know, whatever. How many barbecues at that point? Everyone's got, you know... The barbecue food and all that and now we have we added a machine which is like that extra like holy crap this is awesome right you right. know not everyone always has that um they so, were the homies were all like yo we gotta hit john's party he's yep. got the machine yep yeah and when me and my wife were like you know what this is for us um yeah when we were looking into franchises we we didn't really look at like we love this brand we think we can make this on this brand this is how much depending on our capital what we did was how is it going to work for me and my wife we knew we wanted something more seasonal because we do both have full-time jobs. So we couldn't, you know, stand at a store all day. Um, so we made it work for us personally as opposed to just, you know, comparing um, franchises one by one. So, uh, like, break down uh, essentially what we typically see out of a franchise. So, obviously, franchises have, you know, they offer different things depending on the location. Um, they also want their uh, kickbacks and all that kind of stuff. Um, it's also depending on how much that person is dedicated to that brand. Um, we knew we wanted to do a frozen drink machine rental company, um, but we went with this brand just because we love how, you know, it's almost like a, you know, everyone loves seeing the man, 
Everyone loves um, seeing us in now that we're branching out into restaurants and bars. They just they, they love the whole. They love the man as a person. You know, there's people that say, hey, you know, Margarita Man, my wife told me, she says, you know, if we do this, you know, you're going to be known as Margarita Man for the rest of your life. I'm like, 100%. yeah, I, I know that, <laughs> you know. Um, so, like I said, we really did this based off of we wanted to work for us personally. So, uh, look, look at this, too, right? This is just a handful of, you know, top 100 franchises. Yep. Like McDonald's, KFC, 7-Eleven, F45 Gym, Minuteman Press, Snap-on Tools, UPS Store, Orange Theory, H&R Block. They're names that you know. A lot of people build a business and then they decide to franchise it later. Some guys decide that they're going to franchise out the gate or have the plans to franchise out the gate. Which means that I think also you have to show that your idea is proven to work. Which, you know, you need to get money in and show some cashies that are worth having guys invest into so uh, what i see though i guess is a lot of the time with the franchises you have a one-time initial fee to get in which could be like anywhere from 10k to over 100k easily uh i was reading that mcdonald's actually you have to have a minimum of 500k of non-borrowed money because that franchise is going to cost you like 1.2 million over the course of time which is nuts it's a good amount of money especially non-loaned money we we weighed those options we said well do we want to associate ourselves associate ourselves with a franchise or just kind of do it clean we saw a value in the brand we knew that just people you know googling margarita mix it's going to come up um i knew that i was going to be able to make a cookie cutter and operations wise where i know you know reach out and market it and advertise it between everyone we know um and just the effort we put into it um, but we saw value in the brand. That's why we decided to associate ourselves with them. And I think that's, that's something to be said, too, because there's a lot of franchises out there that aren't as big yet. They're building still. The yep. brand itself is building. We looked at CKO like four years ago, yep. and one of the benefits that CKO had as a franchise was that the entry fees were pretty low. What's CKO? Uh, the kickboxing gym. Yeah. There's one right down the street from you. I didn't know what it was. You don't feel bad. Got it. Anyway, (laughs) CKO, it's a big building brand. And one of the benefits was that you have exclusivity to the region in like a 15-mile distance. So if you open up in 15 miles, nobody else can open up within 15 miles. And we saw an opportunity actually here in Mamaroneck and Stanford area because there was none within that distance anywhere. You could set up shop here and then you could just run all of 95 all the way north. And there would be nobody that was able to go into one of the bigger towns, which was like, that was a huge idea. Well, that's usually franchises will give you a territory, though. They're not going to double sell the same spot. Sure. All I'm saying is that you get 15 miles, nobody else could open one within right. that distance. Yeah. But the opening was along 95, and there was no other CKOs along right. that route, which would let you take over the big cities of Stanford and Bridgeport or New Haven, and you could just go on an opening ramp. So as far as, you know, Margarita Man, too, like, what's your region concern? Do you have a big enough region here, too? Yep. So our business model, it's basically the same thing. We are given a region. Um, I basically could go anywhere. Someone else doesn't own that region. So it's not like, well, I don't own territory in Rockland. I'm prohibited from going there. Um, No one owns Rockland, so I'm good to go there. Um, And that's basically our third year where we're at now. We're coming out of Westchester now. Um, I basically can go anywhere Westchester and North um, until I hit Connecticut, Northern Connecticut by Boston. So it's the same, you know, pretty much similar business model. They do let me, you know, as long as no one's there, you're good to go. 
Um, we've talked about this too. You know, the owners kind of have, you know, a lot of trust in me. They know I work hard, which is like the key thing. Um, they're kind of like, John, you know, as long as you don't violate anyone else, you're good to go. Um, all my marketing and stuff, usually, you know, they want approval. I do show it to them, but they're all like, John, you know, this is phenomenal stuff. Uh, you know, yeah, you're doing work. We love it. Just keep <laughs> yeah. doing work. Yeah. And, and, you know, I struggled to not, I, I work hard. I get it. But Westchester in itself, man, it's just so easy. You know, <laughs> the, the people here and the houses here, you know, the county is huge. You know, just being a Westchester, I saw the value in that as well, too. Is the primary uh, function of the business to go after private home parties or to go after restaurants? Because I know I know you personally, and I know you've recently been yep. expanding into going into restaurants. Yep. Was that always a goal? Yep. So um, the first year, we didn't know what the heck was going on. You know, it was very hard for us. Our second year, we are addressed with COVID, and now we really don't know what the heck is going on. So third year, I think we're probably getting set of what I like to do, what our strengths are. Um, we still do your shower and wedding and uh, machine rentals, one day event rentals. Um, but yes, now we are getting into bars and restaurant supply, distribution supply. Um, we're moving into other products as well that go along with the mix. Um, Cause I'm giving them the mix. They're like, oh, well, I need a machine. Now I need to go bottles. Um, so I'm adding that now. Um, it's kind of just to help out the customers. Um, sure, a little extra incentive. Yep, exactly. Yeah. So we're, we're moving with that now. Um, hopefully this year we can get more of our bearings in place with you know, not our first year, not COVID. So we'll see what this year brings. Going into what you just said here too, there's a couple different avenues to make money for the brand. And one of those is the machine rental. Yep. The machine purchase, I guess, yep. also. And selling of the mix. Yep. Am I missing anything? Our bread and butter is the mix. That's what we do. Um, yep. My main objective is to push the mix and um, the daily event rentals. I do understand, which we've talked about, you know, I have to wear many hats here. Um, I, at first, I was trying to address, I want to do more of the long-term rentals in bars and restaurants, but what I was getting was the difference between like renting a espresso machine. You know, they're like, oh, you know, you go into a restaurant and say, I got some espresso for you, and I'll give you a machine or show it the same thing. I'll give you the machine just by my mix. What I was getting at was, it's harder here because we're seasonal here in the Northeast. Yeah. So they're not gonna be buying, you know, cranking out frozen drinks in November and December. So I- Challenge I, accepted. <laughs> <laughs> what I realized was, you know, I don't think that, you know, the long-term rentals for the restaurants way to go financially for them. I don't care about me, but so I addressed them with, you know, the prices for these machines are pretty cheap. Um, so let's just go with that route. Obviously for me, it would benefit me to do a long-term rental, but it's, I don't care about me. Like I said, I want to make sure they get, you know, what they need and all that. Well, the other side of that, too, is that, yeah, you are selling the mix to them, too, and yep. that's where the bread and butter is. Yep. That's the higher margin item, I would suspect, considering it's liquid versus actual machinery where you can't, you know, do an 80% margin on, on the machines. Right. No way in hell. Right. Uh, with that said, then, you know, I think that you would be targeting specific types of places. Yep, so, absolutely. like, who really excels in purchasing the mix and the machines? So obviously, and you know, Westchester County is Westchester County. We have you know, Marinick Avenue, you know, Smokehouse, White Plains. Um, I go up to Greenwich, Stamford. You know, my options are insane. These are you know, big time restaurants bringing in big time people. Um, Mexican restaurants do well. Um, barbecue places do well. Our Froze and Frozen Sangria, you know, Italian restaurants are starting to realize the value in them. 
Um, yeah. So, and that's the benefit of having 30 flavors. Really, no matter what kind of restaurant you know it is, we have a flavor for you. Well, so too, like Frosé has taken over over the last oh, three, four, it. five forget years it. even. Maybe forget even it. more than that. Rosé is really the trendy thing. And if you can yep. make your rosé unique and fashionable, then you're in. I joke around all the time. I say I'm like one day away from just changing myself to the Frosé, man. It's <laughs> that good. Like people call me, I'm like, so you want more? No, we want the Frosé. Yeah. You know? So the actual first product I tried of yours was the Frosé. Okay. Killer. Hey. Yep, and Nooms tried almost everything. <laughs> so Nooms walks his dog, I think, specifically in front of my house. I do, yeah. yeah I look for your truck in the driveway, exactly. but then we just slow down a little bit. He sees the machine <laughs> move in, and next thing you know, he comes back with yeah. a couple of drinks. So Co- Coincidentally, only when you got the machines out. Hey, yeah. hey babe, I got to walk the dog. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> John's home. I got to take the dog out. <laughs> so on top of the restaurants, though, you know where we live specifically, I, I think that some franchises would work far better than others. And considering we're in a pretty wealthy area, a lot of people are able to afford having home parties. Obviously, with everybody shut down during COVID and bars limiting how many people can hang out at the bar, people are like, you know what? Fuck the bar. I'm going to go have my own home party. I'm going to go get catering. I'm going to do this. I'm going to get a tent. And I'm going to call the margarita man because... I need to get this happening here, and I got to have people taking photos and bragging about the things I have in my party. Yep. So with that market, it's crazy because you're hitting a couple different markets yep. all as a man wearing many hats. So, I mean, how are you reaching out to find the home parties? So the home parties kind of sells itself. Um, we get a lot of those just based off of Google searches. Um, last year when the pandemic started, okay, just coincidentally – when the pandemic started was when my wife was due for our baby, okay? Um, by the way, my beautiful wife, Laura, and my beautiful daughter, Tessa. So I Love know it. they're listening. <laughs> Love it. Um, pandemic started. Everything shut down. Baby was on the way. When we're talking about being scared shitless, I was scared. Yeah. So what I did was I basically was home for five weeks, you know, baby, COVID. I started reaching out to bars and restaurants on Instagram one by one by one. I'm talking about, like, I was probably doing 300, 400 a day. <laughs> Same thing. I have this product. I have this mix. You got to try our product. 100% pure cane sugar. Um, Who was wh- the first person to respond favorably? You know what? The first person that responded was one of my first meetings, and one of the first guys to actually put trust in me was uh, Cantina Lobos and Pelham. There you go. Those guys Shout out awesome. to Clay. Yep, those guys are awesome. Um, uh, so I was reaching out to them one by one. Coincidentally, the governor says, hey, no one's allowed inside the restaurants, but we'll permit the alcohol to go, the mixed drinks to go. So I said, bang, that's it. That's, that's it right there. So that, that was basically my thing. I says, hey, listen, you know, you guys are shut down. You're as scared as me. We don't know what's going on, but you need to be taking advantage of the governor's allowing the mixed drinks to go. You know, the, the pandemic was very unfortunate for a lot of people. It still is. You know, people are still going through it. But I think New Yorkers took it like, you know what, this sucks, but it's fucking awesome. Every time you order pizza, <laughs> Mexican food, Chinese, you could get a mixed drink, you know? Right. Um, they've never been able to do that before. Um, so that was it. That was kind of my reach into the bars and restaurants. Um, machine rentals at the beginning of the pandemic obviously slowed down. But then once they got back going, people weren't going to the big catering halls anymore. So How about the... Was there a backlog of machinery? Because the whole, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The supply chain. The whole supply chain was disrupted. Yep. Yep. So not last year. You're probably still having problems getting bottleware and all that. Yep. Not last year. 
this year it's been absolutely uh, we've been blown away absolutely overwhelmed me and headquarters we're doing our best we're getting a lot of calls um there is a little so, so what they're, we're telling people and what we're being told is it's the steel coming from italy which i'm sure everybody's you know yeah so luckily the restaurants get it it's all it's always something we just go from one shortage to another yeah. shortage yeah but everyone's going through it um i just got yelled at about wings <laughs> oh yeah the chicken wing yeah as on as great of an entry point that that was to be able to capitalize on was the drinks to go and we discussed it on the podcast quite a few times where it just wasn't feasible to be able to keep on paying $15 for these to go drinks mm-hmm. when you don't have the atmosphere of the restaurant which eventually people realized they were burning through their bank accounts way faster than they needed or should have been not knowing what the future held and being able to get in with the frozen drinks as your entry point, it was great because now you have long time or long term commitments yep. from different brands now at this point too, yep. which is awesome. So, how many different restaurants or bars are you actually in now at this point? About so, pandemic started. I think we had one. Um, at this point, uh, we're probably in like thirty to thirty-five bars and restaurants. And huge then Westchester, Connecticut. We're just starting to invade Long Island. Love um, it. And Long Island is great for the summertime too, where everything's great. frozen drinks, the, the yeah. water so, feels. But what what makes it different? I mean, we already said the cane sugar, but what makes it? There's a lot of frozen drink alternatives right. in the market, and they all come in with mm-hmm. kind of like we'll sell you, the, mm-hmm. like you said, with the machine and stuff like right. that. Like Island Oasis is one of them. What's the other one that I'm thinking of? Uh, who else are the competitors? Something, um, but what's the difference? I, I know Fat Tuesdays, they were serving bars and restaurants. There's a lot of them calling us now. They're telling us that, I don't know, I don't want to get in their business. They're saying Fat Tuesdays is, they're going in a different business model, whatever that means. Um, Jolly Rancher, I know, provides more of like the delis and yeah. pizzerias and that stuff. Um, our product is great. Yeah, we used to have yeah. the icy one at Smokehouse, right? The slush puppy? Long, that was a long time ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, and that, The last one I used was the Island Oasis one. But that was the mango one? It's kind of fakish. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. And, you know, being in Westchester, too, I wouldn't feel comfortable doing what I do with the rentals and reaching out to bar and come up with, like you said, the, uh, what did you say, slush puppy? What was the one you said? The first one, I, uh, Icy. I I icy. Yeah, yeah, Icy. Which is, you know, a great name. But Westchester people, they are going to look for, you know, no high fructose corn syrup, gluten-free, natural ingredient you know they do look for that here in this area that's important to them um i mean that's an interesting point that you bring up also though because we could talk about how franchises let's go back into the franchise for a second and how decisionally operations happen and just recently they relabeled all the bottles and put a new label on it and with the new label and it's it's funny because the new label says vegan on it. They're beautiful. Like, Ooh. I mean, what, what, like, what would not have been vegan in any way as it is? I love the vegan point, and we put it on everything at this point now because it's a seller for people. They're like, oh, it's vegan. I well, need you this you now. You can't put it on everything. No, I'm saying you can put it on a lot of things, though, that, like, you don't need it on necessarily is all I'm saying. We got that vegan brisket this weekend. <laughs> you, you could market more people, too, than just that. It's important to me. I know I'm, I'm aware of it because I have a dairy allergy, um, so I'm not necessarily vegan. But, like I said, people in Westchester, Stanford, Grant, they are going to look for that stuff. Correct. Um, and, like I said, even people with um, dairy allergies, I have a bar in Sleepy Hollow, and basically what sealed the deal for me was my gluten-free um, stamp on it. 
um, you know, those certifications mean something, you know? Sure. I mean, uh, we're about to just slap it on our hot sauce that we're producing. Yeah. And I'm like, well, like, there's no milk in the hot sauce. Like, uh, well, what's going on? There, of course, there's no dairy. We don't have to put that logo on there. It's all I'm saying is that with the trends that we're currently in, people want to see these names. They want to see these stamps. Yep. They want to see these logos. Yep. And yeah, they're going to buy something as a result of it. When the some decision, hot sauces have dairy in them. Thank you. <laughs> oh, thank you. See, that's how much I know about hot sauce. What? What? The butter? Just what is waiting. butter? <laughs> See, some hot sauces have dairy. Some hot sauces have dairy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's what you were smiling about this whole time. <laughs> yeah. Nooms, thank you I for waiting so long. I didn't know that either. <laughs> and on this episode of you've been educated about hot sauces. <laughs> now I gotta start reading those labels. Right? <laughs> I always just start pouring them on. Yeah. Then my stomach hurts. So when the new label went on. Who's I'm sure you had cases of this stuff already, though, yeah. right? So, yep. like, were you out there having to hand label all these things to flip them across? Well, we did have a, a turnover where we released the new branding and the new label and stuff, and you know, we still had some of the labels, which we use them obviously. You know, um, thankfully, my relationship with the customers, they get it. You know, I'm sure there's some salesmen that just walk in and, like, oh, yeah, disregard the old labels and stuff. You know, my guys know, hey, listen, you know, the product's fresh. We had these labels. They're like, yeah, John, don't worry about it. We're good. You know, that's kind of, I, I've had to earn that. You know, I've worked for that. And sure. people get that from me. Oh, yeah, no. I, I'm just saying, in particular, you getting shipped a handful of labels and then having to like, just No, no, no. I get, we get that done at uh, at headquarters. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, thank sure. God. Yeah, so thank God. over there, I promise you they are putting them on. By <laughs> hand, somebody. <laughs> that's funny. Now, with having a franchise... I think there's a couple things that you also expect, right? You pay your one-time fee. Yep. I guess that model changes, though, too. It's not always just a one-time yep. fee. It could just be a one-time fee and then a piece of the income over the course of the year broken down in quarters or months, whatever it is, I guess, right? Yeah, or they could ask for royalties. They're all different setups. Sure. I had a friend that early invested into a CrossFit and they got in at the bottom floor, which also there's risk sometimes getting in at the bottom floor. Yeah. You don't know if it's going to actually go somewhere. I think the way you got to be careful with franchises, you know, picking, but there's two models to a franchise, right? One is just brand, really, where you're buying into a brand that people recognize, and then you're responsible. Yeah. yeah, and then you're responsible Duncan. for building everything out, and they just give you, like, the rights to use their brand. And then there's other models where they give you everything the whole you need. thing, yeah. like the brand how to run it. I think that's more of the McDonald's. Et cetera. Well, I thought thought most of all of them put you through a specific type of training to know about the product and whatnot. In terms of the support they give you initially, it's it's different. Like some restaurant models will say, you know, if the franchise is like, let's say it's, I don't know, say it's like 300 grand, right? But they'll send you, like they'll give you a list of this is the equipment, this is the build out, here's the plans, this is how you got to make it. And then and they build out the space and then you just like run it and buy it from, keep buying it from them, like everything's there. And there are others that'll be a bit cheaper. You say it's like a hundred grand, but you're responsible for buying equipment, you're responsible for the build out, you're responsible for everything. They don't give you the architect or anything like that, that you just have the right to use their brand, right? And that depends on the strength of that's brand. when you go, is this, is the franchise worth it right. in my area? Does the brand carry enough weight or should I just like start my own? Right. If you're, if you have like a pizzeria up here and you want to open a franchise in Florida, but there's none in Florida and no one's ever heard of it is, you know, 
What's is the it point? Worthwhile? You know, like well, wait. so then I'd say candlelight. <laughs> Candlelight's a thing up here, but they opened up and down in Florida. It's funny didn't you they? said that. I thought the same but that's thing. not a franchise. They just they just they open, open up, yeah. another spot. Yeah. That's you know, like that's different. Like I want to open a smokehouse at Tampa one because I, I would like to go to Tampa. Yeah, and that'll be mine. I'm talking about franchising. Like if you're that's buying into a brand, yeah, does it have any power where you are? You know, that's 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 the key. But if they're giving you everything you need, then you're not just buying the brand. You're buying everything. That comes the structure, the yeah. everything that you need to run it. So, uh, I mean, part of this, though, then, is when you came into Margarita Man, how much time were you able to spend doing some trainings and, uh, you know, learning from these guys also that want to ensure that their product is being put out there correctly? Right. Um, you know, I think it goes along with all franchises. They have standards that even if, you know, what are, no matter what their business model is, they're going to say, you know, we want you to have you know, we want you to market, you know, we want you to have this software because, you know, you're going to have to meet their standards one way or the other. Um, Margarita Man, like I said, I think it should go on a case-by-case basis. This brand, we felt strongly behind. Um, I knew it worked for us as opposed to, you know, any other ones. You know, it's got to work for you. It's got to be a case-by-case basis. Um, Margarita Man, you know, and they give me the opportunity to do different things. I could do the bars and restaurants outreach. I could do the rentals. Um, yeah, I mean, these guys are happy to see selling, right? Especially oh, if the other it. franchisees forget maybe it. are not really, you know, doing as much work or whatnot. You might yeah. be leading the charge. So, yeah, you get more leeway easily when they see the yeah. money coming in. I talk about it all the time. It's almost like, um, you know, the five-tool player in baseball. you got to be an average hitter, a home run. You know, I understand. I work hard, you know. Newms, I'm sure, sees me out there. You know, the I, I do work. I saw you on uh, Cinco de Mano night. Yeah, I, I, I was like just sitting. You've seen me a couple of times just sitting in my drive, absolutely drained, <laughs> just like sitting there looking into the space like, what dude. am I doing? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, and like I said, you know, I work hard. I have a good brand. The territory alone, like I said, that's, that's a benefit. Like I, I can't speak, you know, enough about just Westchester, just being here, you know. Um, I don't, maybe if I was in a different area in the country, I wouldn't be, you know, doing well, you know, so I'm obviously speaking for the county, for the restaurants that are here, that are my customers and also the people. Um, so it's kind of like a five tool. I kind of, you know, you got to be work hard, have the brand, be in the good area. It, it's hard. That's hard to do. You know, that's you, extremely hard to do. How do you stay organized and on mm-hmm. top of the clients that you do have already uh-huh. and the potential <laughs> clients that it's hard. There's a lot of. Yeah, I've seen his garage. It's very organized. Very organized. I do my best. My wife helps out more. You know, she's amazing. You know, she's also, she's a realtor and she takes care of the baby. And, um, you know, my thing is operations. I'm never worried about people are like, well, how are you going to get that? And I always say that's the part I don't worry about because she says it all the time. No matter what we face, no matter what we're thrown at, I get it done. I don't know how. I just... She says, she's like, how do you, I was like, I don't know. I just get it done. And that's it. That's all I got to worry about. Are you using some type of CRM customer relation management tool or we, you have a list somewhere? Yeah, we were, um, the company gives us, um, you know, softwares you have to use or they recommend. But right now we're just using Excel. My wife, she does her thing. She tells me where I had to go. She tells me what nice. I need. I communicate from the customers back to her. You know, we're getting it done. Like I said. Oh, right now we're that's not. A, that's a great team effort right there. Then, you know, you're just being dispatched yep. pretty much. <laughs> All right, babe, go. where am I going, babe? Yep. Got it. Cool. Yep. 
Well, that, work, that how works. How big is the Margarita Man company? Is there like how many franchises are there? There is seventy in the country. Okay. Um, the closest one to us would be uh, the city, obviously. Okay. And Connecticut. And then how Northern far is it? Like East Coast, Northeast. There's five or six in California. Okay, so the, all the way across. Yep. The next big one is um, in Texas, Florida, Maryland, Delaware, Detroit. You know, so. Gotcha. So what's the what's the what's the sell to like, let's say if you were selling it to me, for instance, right. I, we at our bar, you know, obviously on the commercial side, um, at our bar, we try to make everything that we can from scratch. Like even when we run the, when we have the slush season over the summer, we would batch out all mm-hmm. of our slushes, make everything, put it in there. Um, just because that's kind of like our belief is like, we're just going to make it from scratch. Yep. You know, you could do it, yep, you could do it whatever at home, but there's obviously pros and cons, yep. pros and cons to that. One of our main, main concerns is one, just putting in the effort because mm-hmm. the, the guests can feel that when you're putting in the effort or not. Mm-hmm. And then two is, you know, pricing, right? Like sometimes it's cheaper to do it yourself. Sometimes it's not, right? Yeah. So w- what's your main, like, what's your main pitch? How do you go into a restaurant and say, like, this is why it's worth it for you to switch from you making it to using my product? Yep. So my main thing is when I go in and I get in a meeting with someone, I'll go in, I'll say, listen, I don't have package A, package B, and package C. I don't do that. I say, very cheesy, I say, we got to make my services and products work for you. It's very cheesy, but it's true. Because if I sell them, all, I, these are your three options, and that doesn't work for them, then right there, I lost the customer, and nobody wins, and he loses, and that's it. Um, so basically, I'll find out. I've had some, actually, that have made their own and found out my product was cheaper, or I've had somebody you know make their own and still went with me only because of the convenience. Um, we're also getting, um, as opposed to making your own consistency, you know, I, like I said, I make it very cookie cutter. This is what you need. This is what you need. If they need a, a mixing bucket to make everything, just to pour it in the machine. So you get consistency out of it. Um, you're getting more volume. Um, and then sometimes it does come down to pricing as well. I think, uh, you know, that's really similar to what we're doing with the cocktail garnish too. And I think that there's places that can use our garnish. And there's other places that don't necessarily need it. And, you know, finding out just from working on the inside, I know where the pain points are of bars and restaurants and why maybe they need us. And in some instances, one of the reasons why they would use our garnish is because maybe they do a lot of volume. And if they're doing a lot of volume, they don't have the space or the setup to necessarily be producing hundreds of slices of orange, Mm. lime, or lemon and drying those out in a 13-hour dry time, maybe even longer, depending. And to try to keep that price down super important yeah. for us because we know that it could add up quickly if they're being overused. So we need to make sure that those garnishes don't go in every single drink. So, But what it comes back to is a smaller place might not be suitable for us, and they might not really need our garnishes because they might just have a little dehydrator in the back with six trays on it, and that's enough to put out their garnish. And some guy could just slice that through a mandolin, whatever, right. and throw it in there and be done after a couple hours. And they could do that seven days a week and kind of try to stack up a little bit. So where we win is the guys that do higher volume with their cocktails because they can't keep up with the demand of the cocktails, and we're more so situated to do that. Yep. So I think the same thing, though, with the Margarita Man mix, too, where it's like, yeah, there's a lot of places that do make their own frosé. They make their own Margarita mix. They put all this shit themselves in the thing which is fine. 
But then you see that, yeah, there's a little bit of an inconsistency. It's going to take twice as long yep. as just pouring in the bottles. So, like, for speed cases and places that are a little bit more high volume, I think you would be winning a handful also. Yeah, and we've talked about that, you know, about the similarities between my stuff and um, the garnish. Um, customers appreciate it. You know, bartender's not going to make a drink in the blender. Um, like we talked about. Oh, because bartenders love blenders. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So they're happy. You know, with it, um, the customer's happy. Also, we've talked about the sanitation, you know, as opposed to now someone makes a blender, someone's got to go in the back, clean it, they got to hand it back off. That's a lot of hands. Um, so I think people realize, too, you know, this is much more sanitary. Same thing for uh, garnish. Um, if you're doing your own, yes, I'm sure you guys are following all the rules. I mean, sanitary, but this is just, you know, something I also address as well. What, um, you know, franchise misconceptions that exist, I think, that are out there is just like once you open, you're good. Like, you're good. Yeah. you got business. You're yeah, going to okay. win. That's not the case. Like, you still have to be hustling and moving your ass, I'm sure. Like, yep. you know, you didn't take this from no restaurants to 35 restaurants and bars by doing nothing. They didn't just reach out to you and that was it. I love the line that I hear when guys say, uh, run, it runs itself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You just you sit do. at your bar and drink for yeah. free, right? Or, or, or it runs itself. Or the other thing is people think they could just open something and then just not. I'm like, no. Like, people, my friends ask me all the time, like, dude, do you have your own business? Just have somebody. I'm like, no. You know, you, nobody's going to do it like me. I know that. You yeah. know, and my pops was saying at some point, too. He was like, yeah, I'll open up a Dunkin' Donuts. We're looking at the franchise. And I was like, what? You don't want to open a Dunkin' Donuts? You want no part of <laughs> exactly. operating that fucking thing. I don't care who you put behind the wheel. Uh, he's like, no, you set up, you hire the guy, it gets done. That's not how business works, Pops. You don't belong here. People tell me all the time, like, dude, just have some. I'm like, nobody's going to do it like me, you know, and nobody you know, is going to care and work as hard. Yep. So, you know what? Correct. I think the other misconception, too, is that, like, yo, if you get in on the ground floor and it's a cheap entry price into the franchise, like, yo, you can make so much more money that way. But not every franchise sticks around and makes it for so long. Like, look at all the gyms that tried to franchise that just dissipated right. over the course of the years just because the market got too saturated and it was easy entry. So, like, obviously it's great because you're killing it in your franchise and you're definitely showing up on the top ranks of the guys that are selling and moving things, I'm sure. Um, but it's not necessarily always great to find a smaller, cheaper route. Sometimes you need something that's a little bit more established. I mean, F45 gyms are all over the place. Mark Wahlberg's back in that thing now at this point. So a lot of people want to get involved, and a lot of people are starting to show up to the gym. Like, I now think that that gym has a better chance at fighting than CKO kickboxing would. And if you see the Instagram ad, you see Mark Wahlberg working out in the F45 gym wearing his new municipal... uh Correct. Cl- clothing line. Maybe that's what I have to do. <laughs> yeah, get Mark Wahlberg involved and you <laughs> could also crush I got it. Yeah. So, and I think that, uh, you know, another misconception is that, like, everything will work everywhere as long as you get it. And I don't think that's really the truth, considering that regionally everything is so different between people's ideas and how we move about our day and act. And, like, some ideas just won't work somewhere. I mean, you could try to set up a wet willies in the center of Michigan, and they might yeah. be like, the fuck is this? Right? It just doesn't work necessarily. Or they might be into it because they haven't had anything like Sounds that. Sounds cold. <laughs> what? Michigan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not for the wet willies, uh, I don't <laughs> think. Uh, so how do you grow to the next level from here? When we started this, we've never had a plan. We've never had goals. Like I said, we've faced a lot of bumps in the road we've been thrown a lot of things the first year we were just winging it 
Second year, we had COVID. Third year, I think I'm starting to get, you know, like, okay, now I see how people are seeing me. They see the type of person I am and how hard I work. And listen, I'm going to do everything I can for you. Um, I re- my wife says, you have to start saying no. The only problem is most of the time when people ask me for something, I don't know if I could do it, get it done, whatever. I just say, let me get back to you. Um, and that's just how I approach everything. Um, and that's how I think I'm going to continue to do it. Kind of, you know, I know I'm going to get it done. Whatever is thrown at me, we'll figure it out. That's it. At what point do you need a second man kind of behind you doing some of the grunt work uh, pretty much? Like, let's get the machines here. Or let's get the cases here. Because you, as your numbers grow and as people are all going to need things at the exact same time always, you, you can't. You're one man. I do get help once in a while. Single to my obviously, I had to have somebody. It was just too much. Um, it was even, it was like two to three days just nonstop. I did have somebody helping me. I kind of feel like, you know, there's nothing like, this is just built inside of me. You know, I guess when the, you know, the fire stops, you know, maybe I'll be like, all right, let me slow down. I feel like, my daughter now has given me more. Like, now you really have to go out and work harder. I get, like, offended when people are like, oh, he works so hard. He's the hardest worker. I'm like, what is he doing that I'm not? Because to me, I, you know, you know, I take value in that. Um, Correct. So. I, I Also, too, you said your daughter is the fire behind you. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm going to go to Princeton. Make sure you got this money yeah, lined exactly. up for me, Pops. She's going to be a doctor. <laughs> what, uh, what words do you have maybe for other franchisees, not necessarily just a margarita, margarita man, but in general? Yep, just um, case-by-case basis. You know, take, take whatever the day is throwing at you. Um, make good decisions and be a good person. That's it, and work hard. Everything else, if you stick to that, um, that's what I'm going with. I'm doing very well. And, um, that's it. That's, that's everything else will figure itself out. Enjoy this episode with John and ready to go find your own franchise. Make sure you hit our Patreon first and help support this podcast with a small stipend. $2 goes a long way. Patreon.com slash waiting on fries. On the next episode, we take a trip to a high volume party bar that's learned to thrive in their environment. Be sure to click the subscribe button so you don't miss the release.